Good morning folks. It's really lovely to be able to share with you this morning as we continue our sermon series looking at waiting room choices. I hope you've enjoyed the uh, the summer weather this week. Uh, it's certainly been very warm uh, and I hope you've uh, had a chance to enjoy that. As we've seen over the last couple of weeks, um, there's plenty of times in life where we're asked to wait and that can be quite challenging. It can be a challenge to behave well as we wait and not uh, get distracted or pulled away or, or, or drawn into things we shouldn't be. And so waiting can be quite a challenge, whether that's something simple like waiting for a train or a, or a bus or something more, uh, perhaps more serious like waiting for an exam result or test. And waiting comes with its challenges. So we're, we're looking through the Bible at different examples of where people are asked to wait or where they, they do wait to see that these times can be significant for us and can be times that are really well used as well. To begin with this morning, I want to uh, tell you a little bit uh, about growing up. And uh, as I think I might have mentioned before, um, I grew up on a farm, which is something I, I really loved. I loved the, the farming lifestyle, loved the rhythms of the year. And, um, and one thing that always intrigued me on the farm that I grew up in is the relationship between a, a shepherd and, and his sheepdog. Uh, and that is something really quite quite fascinating, or at least to me. Um, so we have the, the shepherd. The shepherd is the one who owns the sheep. The shepherd is the one who uh, has a plan in his mind about what he wants to do and, uh, and how he wants to achieve it. He's the one who owns the sheep. He knows what's best for them. He is, uh, is the one kind of controlling the operation. And then you have a sheepdog, and a sheepdog is uh, is designed to work with the sheep. The sheepdog loves working with the sheep. It's usually a border collie, and uh, you may you may know you may have one as a pet even perhaps, and you'll know they're very intelligent animals, and uh, and very active, and they just they just become alive when they're working with the sheep. They it's just what they're designed for, what they love. And so you have this, this very interesting working relationship. And uh, uh, one of the programmes we used to, to watch growing up um, was called One Man and His Dog. So I'm guessing that a lot of the cool kids were watching that show uh, as they were growing up too. Um, probably not on anymore, but it, uh, you can probably root out some old ones on YouTube if you're interested. But One Man and His Dog was where it took some of the, the best sheepdog handlers in the country and they had a competition. And so the, the shepherd would stand at the top of the hill and some sheep would be released at the bottom of the hill and the shepherd would, would uh, command his dog and he would go around them and take them kind of through certain gates and round a course and at one point would have to kind of sort one or two of them off and then finish putting them in a pen. And uh, as you can see, it was a real kind of blockbuster show. Um, but it was fascinating to watch. And what the key was for the, for the shepherd and the dog was that the dog would listen to what the shepherd was saying and then obey it. So there's this listening obedience dynamic. And it took a lot of skill from both the, the shepherd and the dog to, to accomplish what they were asked to do. Sometimes that, uh, that obedience, that listening, 
um, came about as the dog was asked to do something active, to run to the left or to run further back or to, uh, to come up closer. There was a lot of running, a lot of activity, and the dog needed to listen in times of activity. But equally, the dog had to listen sometimes and wait. There were times where the dog had to stop, to lie down, to wait, to pause, in order for the, the shepherd to be able to accomplish what, what he wanted. And as the, as the dog would wait, as the dog would sit perhaps, and watch what was happening, this dog was still fully engaged, he was still eyes locked on the sheep, ears listening out for the command, but would have to be still. So that the farmer, perhaps he was um, just waiting for the right time or was, um, for, for whatever reason, needed the dog to be still in order to accomplish the task. And the point is that for, for the sheepdog and the shepherd to work well together, there needed to be this constant listening, constant obedience, both in activity and in the waiting. We're going to look at somebody in the Bible today who's also really going to focus on, on listening to God, both in times of a lot of activity and in times of waiting. And it's going to be really important that they're, they're able to listen and obey. We're going to be looking at jo at, not Jonah, at Noah. And, uh, and so we're in, our, in, in Genesis chapter 6, if you have a Bible, uh, it'd be good for you to, to, to follow along. Let's just begin by, by setting the context of what's going on here. So it's, we're, we're really early in the Bible. and uh, We've just had the creation account. And, uh, and now that the earth is, is, is filled with people, but things have gone uh, really horribly wrong. Let me read a couple of verses from Genesis chapter 6, verse um, 5 to 7. The Lord saw how great the wickedness of the human race had become on the earth and that every inclination of the thoughts of the human heart was only evil all the time. The Lord regretted that he had made human beings on the earth and his heart was deeply troubled. So the Lord said, I will wipe from the face of the earth the human race I've created and with them the animals, the birds and the creatures that move along the ground for I regret that I have made them. These are really quite the verses. The, the situation on planet earth has become desperate. There is great wickedness and evil. When we encounter something that's truly wicked, truly evil, it makes us shudder, it makes us um, um, full of fear. Imagine a world that is, that is so full of evil and wickedness. And I know there is much in our world today, but perhaps not quite as much as what there is here. It must have been a frightful place to be. In verse 11 and verse 13 of chapter 6, we read that the world was full of violence. Full of violence. And even the Lord's heart was deeply troubled at this. Not just our hearts are uh, troubled by it, but God's heart was troubled by it. 
It gives us the impression of how serious this situation had become. And before we go any further, it's really important for us to recognise here that, that God isn't going to allow this just to happen. Throughout the Bible, we see that God, God's character is consistent. He's slow to anger. He's compassionate and gracious. However, he's holy and he doesn't allow things to just keep on getting worse. He'll step in. And sin brings judgment. And God is going to deal very seriously with the wickedness, the evil, the sin that is characterising this situation. We need to make sure we recognise that, that sin brings judgment. But the Lord is going to provide a way of salvation. The Lord is going to try a way of salvation. Verse 8, straight after what we've just read, we read, But Noah found favour in the eyes of the Lord. Even though God re regrets making mankind, even though there's such evil and violence and wickedness, we read, But Noah, but Noah found favour in the eyes of the Lord. And God is going to provide a way to be saved. He's going to provide a, a, a way to be saved, which is incredible. Let's see what, what that is. Verse 9. This is the account of Noah and his family. Noah was a righteous man, blameless among the people of his time, and he walked faithfully with God. Noah had three sons, Shem, Ham and Japheth. Down to verse 14. So make yourself an ark of cypress wood. Make rooms in it and coat it with pitch inside and out. There's going to be a way to be saved from this, the, the, the flood that's coming. And it's going to be through one man and his obedience. Let's not rush here. Because there's a reasonable chance that if you're familiar with church or you went through a Christian school or you went through Sunday school, that you, you might be familiar with the account of, of Noah and his ark. We might be thinking of the animals coming two by two. We might well be thinking of um, the rainbow in the sky. But let's see what's happening as we just go a little bit deeper is that the world is full of violence. The world is full of evil. The, the world is wicked. And against that, it is a way of providing salvation. God is going to set up one righteous, obedient man. Let's just have a look at, at who Noah is. And a couple of things about him to help us understand who he is. First of all, there was something special about Noah even when he was born. If you just look back to chapter 5 for a moment, verse 28, we read about um, Noah being born. Really briefly, we read this. When Lamech had lived 182 years, he had a son and he named him Noah and said, He will comfort us in the labour and painful toil of our hands caused by the ground the Lord has cursed. 
So right from the beginning, Noah is, is given the name, his name, which means comfort. He's given that name. There's something special about this child. He's going to comfort us. Comfort is an English word and it comes from two, two words. It, it comes from comfort, to bring strength. Noah is going to bring strength. That's something that is, is over his life from right from the very beginning. Secondly, we read that Noah walked with God. Verse 9 that we just saw, Noah was a righteous man, blameless among the people of his time, and he walked faithfully with God. So Noah isn't just some random person God has chosen out of the, the, the masses of people to go into the ark. But Noah is somebody who has walked with God. He's a righteous man. He's been blameless and he's walked faithfully with God. That is a wonderful statement. He's someone who's walked with God. He's talked with God. He has listened to God. He's sought to obey God. He has journeyed with God. Noah's life must have been quite different from those of the people around him. There was something special about Noah from the beginning. He walked with God. Thirdly, we know that Noah was a preacher of righteousness. Sometimes when looking at a passage in the Bible, it can be really useful to look at other places in the Bible which talk about that passage or incident because they can help us understand it and unpack it. And uh, and, and we read about uh, Noah in, in 2 Peter chapter 2, verse 5. Peter tells us that Noah was a preacher of righteousness. So in other words, he was living in a culture in a time where there was great evil, there was great wickedness, there was corruption, there was violence. But he was preaching righteousness. He was living out a different way of, of, li of living. He was walking with God and he was trying to encourage others to do the right thing, to, to, to hold God in the right place and to respect and love and honour each other. He was a preacher of righteousness. And fourthly, we know that Noah was a man who obeyed God. Genesis 6 verse 22 tells us that Noah did everything just as God commanded him. Chapter 7 verse 5 said, and Noah did all the Lord had commanded him. It's interesting that that's repeated. Here is a man who is uh, obedient to God. He's been obedient in times of quietness, of waiting. And is obedient in times of action as well. We read that Noah was 600 years old when, um, when the flood took place. So presumably for a long time, perhaps hundreds of years, Noah has been walking with God in a world increasingly filled with evil and wickedness. And what has he been doing? While he's been waiting for God to act, waiting for something to happen, waiting for a change. What's he been doing? He's been walking with God. He's been obedient as he waits. And that's hugely significant. For obedience, often um, over, over a long period of time, often makes the channel for which God's activity can flow. There is one righteous man in a world 
of evil, wickedness and violence. It's interesting as we journey through the Bible from here on, we'll see that often the way that God acts, the way that God saves will be the same. It will be through one righteous man. If we fast forward a little bit further on in the story of the Bible, we'll find that the God's people are all in Egypt as slaves. And how are they rescued? How are they saved? Well, it's not through joint effort or clever strategy. It's through uh, the obedience of one man, Moses. We'll read in the book of Judges how many times will the people of God um, get themselves in trouble and they'll be saved by one man or in the case of Deborah, one woman. As you think, uh, as God's people, even as they have a king, they're lined up ready for battle and a giant called Goliath comes out insulting them, uh, taunting them and the people are afraid. And how will the whole nation be saved? Well, one man, or in this case, one shepherd boy, David, will go out. And he's not just he's not just one boy, is he? He's God's anointed king. And God's anointed king will, will win a victory that the whole of the people can enjoy and walk in, but have done nothing to achieve for themselves. So, how are we going to apply this for us? today and this week. A couple of ways we can perhaps think about this for us and make it practical for us in the here and now. Firstly, we can learn from Noah's example. He's a striking example of obedience over a long period of time. And obedience, not only as he waits, but then when the call for action comes, he's as quick to obey then as well. And that's really amazing. And it's perhaps noteworthy, isn't it, that he has to wait for a long time. And he has to keep obeying and keep walking with God for a long time before the call comes to make the ark. And and, and we see God acting in such a vivid and powerful way. And maybe it's a little reminder to us today that we, we live in a in a world where Often we expect the results of our actions straight away. We live in a very instant society. But with obedience, and we see this time and time again in the Bible, with obedience, often the the consequences are well down the line. So sometimes when we obey and we do something that we know we ought to do, we think, well, we, we don't seem to get rewarded perhaps straight away. And we can get discouraged or, equally dangerous, we, 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 we do something we know we shouldn't do. And we don't seem, to, don't seem to get a negative response. Not straight away and we think, I've got away with it. But we build habits this way. We plant seeds and those seeds grow and produce fruit. In Galatians we read that, do not be deceived, God cannot be mocked. A man reaps what he sows. And we we, we recognise from from Noah that um, obedience um, ultimately is planting good seeds which will reap their fruit in good time. So we can learn from Noah's example. Secondly, and perhaps more importantly, we can also see that Noah is pointing us to Jesus. 
Noah is, 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 is like a signpost to us saying this is, is a shadow of Jesus. It's a shadow of how God is going to save ultimately all people. He's going to use one righteous, obedient man as the saviour of the world. See, Noah, from his birth, there was something special about Noah. Well, right from his birth, there's something hugely special about Jesus. And of course there is. This is God the Son stepping into his creation, taking on the form of a man that he might save us. There's something special about Jesus right from the very beginning. We know that from the, all the angel appearances, the fulfilment of prophecy, the, the, the miracles that happen early on. Just like Noah Jesus walks with God as he goes through his earthly life. He walks with God. He seeks out time with his heavenly father. He's righteous and blameless. Just like Noah, he'll be a preacher of righteousness. Jesus, in a, in a, in a generation that, is, that was wicked, just as ours and, and sinful, he's going to show and display and preach what it is to do what is right. To do what is good. And just like Noah, the Lord Jesus will obey his heavenly father. And his obedience will go to the next level as he obeys his father even to death. Even death on a cross. Incredibly, God himself steps into his creation. A creation that has become so sinful, so wicked, so violent, so corrupt. And he'll he'll and he'll 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 um, make a way for them to be saved. And he'll do that as he takes their sin, their guilt, their shame, and he'll take it on himself as he dies. In their place, he'll take that violence, he'll take that betrayal, he'll take that evil, and he will take the punishment for it. But Jesus, as we know, is too good, he's too big, he's too God, he's too full of life for death to hold him. And he is resurrected triumphant over sin, over death, over hell, over violence, over evil. And he ascends into heaven and he gives his spirit to those who choose to follow him. And that is good news. And that is good news because when we, we can be inspired to follow Noah's example, but when we look at our own lives, we see we've made mistakes. We've got things wrong. We haven't always been blameless. We haven't always done what's right. We've, we're, 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 we're marred by sin. So it's great news to know that Jesus has paid the price for our sin and comes to live within us. That his life might well up inside us and, and, and overflow uh, out of our lives. That he might help us to be obedient. That he'll help us to make the right choices. That he'll help us to live that life that we're designed to live. That just like that uh, sheepdog and shepherd analogy. That as Jesus comes to live in our lives, we, um, we become um, more fully alive than we've ever been. 
just as the sheepdog is, is focused in and, and uh, fully alive as he's working with a shepherd, so as we um, come to work with our Heavenly Father, as he lives within us, so we become more fully alive, we, more, we become more fully who he made us to be and intended us to be. And that working relationship looks like, uh, looks like obedience. It operates best as we're obedient. As we listen in times of activity and, importantly, in times of stillness, of waiting, of pauses. As we finish, I recognise that talking on obedience is, is not uh, an easy topic to talk about. Obedience often means that we don't do things that we would like to do. We'd like to do something, but we, we know that we ought not to, or an out of obedience to the Lord, we, we say no. Or it means we, sometimes we have to do things that we would have, we would not do if we had the choice. 